Here we go. Oh, I'm supposed to go now? Yeah, you, you start. You're the you're the top of the the, the script, the yeah. list thing. I wrote this one. Yeah, I'm really. Yeah, you introduce it as your as your episode. Okay. okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fast Past, the history podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. As always, I'm Megan. And I am Jason. And I no longer sound like a 60-year-old chain smoker. Get oofed on, you dirty goblin. But we're both coughing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really excited for today's episode. We're talking about a court case. Ew. No, no, no. A court case about stolen identity. Actually, the first recorded court... Court... court qua, qua. <laughs> the first recorded court case of stolen identity in existence. Nice. I mean, not nice because stolen identity, but nice. Yeah, it's not like they, like, uh, to steal your credit card. They just literally stole his whole life. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, just so everyone knows, I'm taking most of the information from this book called The Return of Martin Gare, written by Natalie Zeman Davis. It's a really good read if you want a more comprehensive look at this court case. Completely suggested. It's not one of those, like, bogged-down history books. It's more like a traditional, like, narrative. Nice. So, Martin Gare. Let's set the stage for this identity theft. Mm. It all began in 1525 when Martin Guerre was born to Sanzi de Guerre and wife. I'm trying to sound uh, French here. I don't have the name of the wife because why would we keep records of women? In 1527, they moved from Hende to a village on the border of Spain and France in Argat, but it was still in France. They set up um, tile works as they had in Hende. They mm -hmm. were doing really well for themselves. Nice. Now, to be accepted in this new village, there were a few things that the de Guerres had to follow. First, they had to change their last name from de Guerre to Guerre, hence why Martin Guerre comes from Martin Guerre. Mm. Sanzi's wife, which I wish I had a name for, uh, had to change the way she wore her headdress and decorated her skirt to fit in with the people around her. Uh, also, when they were doing work in Hende, they could have done that orally. Uh. <laughs> no, I mean, like... Verbally. Oh. Um, here they had to keep a record of everything and get everything notarized. Um, if there was one thing Europe was good for, it was keeping some kind of records. Unless it's about women. <laughs> Just crying internally. <laughs> <laughs> but they had to learn how to write enough to keep these logs and accounts of their businesses. But they probably couldn't read, unlike most of the people who were in the town. Mm. Those people were educated. Um, I'm using that word lightly because, of course, education back then is not what it was today. But basically, everyone in town knew how to read and write, and that was pretty important. Uh. In 1538, Martin Gare was a spry 14-year-old, and he was engaged. At 14? At 14. Engaged. Engaged to be married. That is that is too young. That's <laughs> child marriage. That's not acceptable. Well, in a society where old is like 40, <laughs> I think that could be considered adulthood. Yeah, I guess so. Well, anyway. Still he, uncomfortable. I mean, like, obviously, it's a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. Anyway, he did get engaged to Bertranda Rolls. Whoa. A woman's name that was kept in records? Okay, that's actually pretty surprising. <laughs> yeah, that just tells you how serious this case goes, that we actually have the name of Martin Gare's wife. I thought it was just going to be Martin Gare's wife. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. Hello, my name is Martin Gare's wife. I am uh, <laughs> here to do the, <laughs> the, <court>. the testimony, <laughs> the character witness. <laughs> So she was the daughter of a very well-off family in the area called the Rolls. They lived nearby. Now, this book does note that, yes, Jason, this marriage match was particularly young, even for that time period. I mean, Bertrand herself was 10 years old. Ew, ew, ew. No, no. <laughs> she was basically a child, like That's literally. That's 10. That's no, no. I know. Literally just hit the double digits. No. I know. Like, no. Probably didn't even have her period yet. Kind of old. Jesus Christ. 
Stop it. She even stated later in the court case that it was really young for a girl to get engaged. And it was actually illegal at the time, but they just went through with it anyway. Mm. Yeah. So it's really weird to be like, hey, girl, happy 10th birthday. Now have sex and pop out children. <laughs> Different time. You can say that again. Different time. <laughs> now, we assume there was some sort of dowry here, but the marriage contract actually didn't survive. I know I just like praised Europe for their great records, but they missed this one. Good job. But we do know that this marriage was an alliance marriage, a.k.a. the families both got something out of it. And some scholars think the dowry is probably close to 50 to 150 ivers, um, as well as a vineyard called Del Borat. Mm. You said that nicely last time. Say it. Del Borat. Thank you. Um, then that night when they got married, they had sex, right? And it's pretty typical of marriage traditions back then for like them to shoot people into the room. They're like, go have sex, go have sex. And then three hours later, they come barging in while they're probably both naked. They're like, woo! Y'all had sex. I'm so happy for you. And then they gave them this drink full of herbs that was supposed to make babies happen. Okay, two things. Yeah. One, baby juice. <laughs> baby juice. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, two, I feel like they're giving them a lot of leeway and a lot of time. It's like, oh yeah, three hours. It's like... No, this is probably their first time having sex, and they're fucking 10 and 14. I was going to say, they're 10 years old. They're, it's not going <laughs> to last three hours. It's just going to be uncomfortable. Maybe <laughs> it's like the clothes are just so goddamn constricting that it's going to take like two hours to get it off. <laughs> but, uh. So, with, back, to, back to the baby the juice. baby juice. Did it, did it work? Uh, did babies happen? Babies did not happen. Okay. <laughs> not for eight long years. Martin Gare was Wait, actually... Because that would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> What, a 10-year-old... Popping out, like... Popping out baby. Oh, yeah, I'm only 10 years older than my mom. Oh, 10 years younger than, <laughs> than my mom. It's like... Eh. That's so strange. Um, to be fair, like, at 10, like I said, I don't even know if she got her period, so maybe she couldn't have children when they first got married because mm. it was that young. But not for eight years. Martin Gare was actually impotent. Oh, shit. Which pretty much meant he couldn't get it up, which was the first of their many, many problems as a couple. So their marriage was actually technically never consummated because he could never get it up. I guess they lied or they were just like, they're like, the party came in. They're like, yeah, you had sex. They're like, hi. Yeah, you totally had sex. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're great. Woo. Yeah, woo. I don't even know what I did. They probably just jumped on the bed. It's like, yeah, this is great. Uh, are you having fun? <laughs> yeah, me too. It's so strange. They're 10. Um, but probably just had a pillow fight. <laughs> That's sex, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> So um, the the family of Bertrand was actually really pissed about this. And they were like, hey, can you separate from your husband? Because this was never consummated. Therefore, it's not even a divorce. It's just, we'll find someone better for you. And she was like, no. Right. Like, <laughs> just straight up just no. <laughs> just no. Yeah. She was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good with my husband. Now, people made fun of them in town for being married and not having kids. Which, great. Um, after eight years, they finally got the church involved. They oh, had four different services, and they made special hostesses and cakes so that that night, after the fourth service, eight years later, they would have sex and get pregnant. And guess what happened? They had sex and got pregnant. Great. Things yeah. are looking up. All you need is a little Viagra cake <laughs> given to you by the church. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's something you don't usually say. <laughs> Usually the church is the one fucking the kids, but no, they're oh, making the kids fuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> Too soon? 
<laughs> no, actually, it's happening all over. Is it bad that I'm calling them out? No, no, it isn't. <laughs> Catholic is Church, <laughs> fix your shit. Fast Pass calling you out. So good for them. They're <laughs> finally having kids. She's 18, so it's like a, a more acceptable age than 10. 10, yeah. But um, things aren't exactly looking up for the Martin Gare and uh, Bertrand de Rolle's family. Because uh, in 1548, Martin uh, stole some grain from his dad, which was probably due to some male power struggle thing. But uh, it was pretty damn illegal, and Martin decided to leave. Like, he gone. Like, yeet. Gone. Disappeared. Well, He's a magician. That must be the end of our episode, then. Yeah. You would think. But tis only the beginning. Tis true. So he's gone, right? Well, what happens to his wife, who at the time was only 22 years old? Well, she had a reputation for being stubborn, independent, and had a shrewd realism about how she could maneuver within the social constraints placed upon her as a woman. Damn. She sounds like a badass to me. Oh, yeah. Honestly. She uh, eventually did give birth to a child, which then made her a woman, and she was able to navigate through a lot of things as a widow then. Hmm. But Martin isn't dead. But he isn't not dead. I mean, we don't know. They didn't know. They had no contact with him. Literally, his parents died without knowing what happened to him. Hmm. But I guess his father forgave the whole, like, stealing grain bit, because before he died, he named Martin as the sole heir to their property here in Argate and back in Hende. Hmm. Then some weird shit happened, like Martin's uncle Pierre married his wife Bertram's mom, which is strange to say Pierre, calm the hell down. Relax. <laughs> I yeah. Um, but with Pierre now in Bertrand's house, in his mom's house, um, she had her power reduced as a woman and a widow. But then, in 1556, someone came back to the village and presented themselves as Martin Gare. But it wasn't really Martin Gare. Oh, dang! We know now that it was Arnaud de Toll. Now, now is when we get into the good stuff. Now... They think that the two, Martin Gare and Arnaud de Toll, actually met while fighting in a war somewhere. And they were like, hey, you kind of look like me. And they probably shared some deep talks over drinks where Arnaud, or I'm going to call him fake Martin from now on, um, he was like, hmm, I think I can steal this guy's life. Mine kind of sucks. Same. And fake Martin did his homework. He learned some words in Basque, which is the, the language region, of the area. Yeah, the region. He inquired about the area and Martin's past. Hmm. He was the first method actor. I mean, probably not. Probably not. But, but he had to method the fuck out of him. He literally had to be Martin <laughs> he Gare. He was Martin Gare. But what did this man have to gain by stealing Martin's life? Literally Martin's life. The dude just collected a, an entire inheritance of like two villages. And that's like, not like two whole villages, but like... <laughs> two areas of the village. Two areas in different villages. And it's like, that's pretty damn substantial. Yeah, they were really well off. And it was really substantial for the time. Now, the way he actually came back was interesting. Because he didn't just, like, walk into the village and was like, Hey, what's up? I'm Martin Gare. Did you miss me? Hmm. He actually let gossip do what gossip does. He went to a hotel outside of Argot, and he was like, Hey, hotel man, guess what? I'm Martin Gare. And the hotel man was like, Wow, that's crazy, your wife and kids. And then he started weeping hmm. at the mention of his wife and kids. And they're like, Oh, my God, this is Martin Gare. So then, like, four ladies heard him, like, oh, my God, Martin Gare. And then, you know, like, news spread. And um, then when he went back to town, everyone already knew that Martin Gare was here. And it was a very grand entrance indeed. I mean, the dude must have been really smart because he went into town, greeted everyone by name. The fact that he could do that alone, just meeting these people for the first time, greeting them by name. And 
if they didn't remember him, he would just straight up tell them a, a personal story that only real Martin would know. And then the people would believe that fake Martin is real Martin. Plus, it's been years, and there were no pictures. So if it if he'd even looked kind of like real Martin, people would just believe it. But what about his wife? They've been married for a while. Wouldn't she call him out on it? Oh, my girl Bertrand? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she knew. Of oh. course she knew. I'm pretty sure, like, the first time you, like, go to have sex with your husband, you're like, that's different. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, they were a husband and wife for years, so she knew right away. But in having Martin back in her life, mm -hmm. she gained more of her power back as a mm. woman. So uh, she started to go along with it because of that. But then they actually fell in love. And, like, fake Martin treated her a lot better than real Martin did. Mm. So they had a really nice life together. And they were happy. A happy ending. Yes. Yeah, psych. <laughs> oh, good. No, no. Okay. Uh, they messed it up real quickly. They got greedy. They got greedy. Fake Martin grew into the role of merchant. He became involved in buying, selling, and leasing land, and that included the land that Daddy Gare had saved for real Martin. Mm. Now, Bertrand was really, really happy about this because the wives of merchants often became merchants themselves, which is a huge, like, rung up from, like, widow. Yeah. So she finally got the power that she wanted to make her own life choices. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where the big mistake happens. Fake Martin sued his own uncle, Pierre, who was married to Bertrand's mother big mistake yeah this was when pierre put two and two together he was like this isn't martin my my nephew wouldn't sue me and then he's like hmm who is this fraud yeah because he's like hmm you didn't remember that one word that we said that one time your accent's a little off who is this man so he's like i'm gonna sue you fake martin um so that's why we know about this whole thing in the in the first place thank you pierre gare <laughs> pierre gare that's literally his name it's so funny thank you pierre gare <laughs> Um, now there was pressure by Pierre and Bertrand's mom for her to leave him, but she was actually really in love with fake Martin and she believed that they could pull this scam off and she could live happily ever after with this man who wasn't Martin, but was Martin mm. to her. Now the town was split in their support. Obviously it's a very small town. They all hear both sides of the story. Yeah. And events started happening. Like this random soldier from Rochefort passed through town and called fake Martin out for being fake. He was like, no man, you're an art at all. And he's like, <laughs> what? what are you talking about? I'm Martin Gare. Gare. Martin Gare. Martin Gare. <laughs> um, he was Martin Gare, fake Martin, sorry, was actually accused of arson and burning down a farm building, and he was imprisoned in the city. Mm. Yes. Oh, damn. So at this point, Pierre was like, this is my time. And he filed a suit under Bertrand's name against fake Martin to find out who he actually was. I feel like it would have been a better choice to just use his own names like i don't know who you are you're not my nephew instead of using bertrand's name yeah i, like, I what's the point of that i think it gave like more credibility like if bertrand believed if bertrand believed that her husband wasn't actually her husband people would believe her first because like that's your husband you've been married to him for years mm -hmm. you're supposed to know him better than anyone else even his own family yeah so that's why it i guess made more sense to file the suit under her name yeah so then bertrand had this choice would she choose to defend fake Martin and put her honor on the line? Or would she confess that fake Martin is fake and put her honor on the line? Now, fun fact, this is actually such a famous court case that there's a musical about it. And I actually sang a song called How Many Tears about Bertrand's choice on what she's going to do. Hmm. It's a beautiful song. Anyway, she chooses to go along with it in hopes that they could convince the court that fake Martin was real Martin. I mean, if he was convicted, he'd straight up die. Yeah. So this was a pretty big thing. Okay, it was like a very big thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, they got witness testimony, collected evidence, questioned everyone. 150 people testified before the trial was through. Wow. It was really big for this time. Like, that's... That's like a lot a, of people. That's like a whole village. That's Are a you whole kidding ass me? village. So Bertrand and him clearly worked on his testimony and how to paint her in a good light as well as him. He was able to recall clothes that he was wearing and events that happened. Bertrand played the dutiful wife, but when she was called up to the witness stand, Fake Martin pretty much said she was a good wife and a good person. And it was Pierre that was making her lie. Dun dun. So that it made him and her look good. And it made her look like she was being forced to lie. Saving her honor and character. And making Pierre look like a little shit. Mm-hmm. Now, this trial is one of two. It took months. But finally, he was actually found guilty for stealing Martin Guerra's identity and abusing Bertrand de Rolls. He was convicted as Arnaud de Toll. Now, he appealed and took this to another court. This court went on for some time as well. And this is where things really started to, uh, they tried to trip him up here. They would ask Bertrand to tell a story. And then they would have Fake Martin tell the same story. But unbeknownst to them, Fake Martin and Bertrand had gone over versions of multiple stories beforehand so that when they were asked, they would always be the same. So it would mm. look like they're telling the truth. Now, one witness claimed that Fake Martin had responded to the name or not the tall, which was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And then another soldier testified that he heard that Martin Garrett actually lost his leg in battle. So that couldn't be Martin Garrett because he had two legs. But both of these were only hearsay, so they mm. could not be convicted, counted as evidence in court. Now, Pierre fucked up a little bit here. He had confessed to misrepresenting himself as Bertrand's agent before the first judge. There you go. Then Undermine several yourself. credible witnesses said that they heard him conspiring with his wife to kill fake Martin Gare. To kill her on the tall. And that was grounds to torture him for information because obviously... He's trying to murder someone. Ah, uh, shit. Now, and they never actually ended up torturing him, hmm. but he was thrown in jail for conspiracy to murder. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Which is crazy. Now, the court really considered the testimony of Martin Gare's sisters, but all his sisters thought that this man was Martin Gare. Oh, shit. He had convinced them so fully that the sisters were like, nah, man, this is my brother. I don't know what you're talking about. He remembers everything from our childhood. Mm-hmm. So uh, it really seemed like they were going to get away with it keep Pierre in prison forever? A win-win. But as the court was about to make their final decision, a man with a wooden leg walked in saying he was Martin Gare. Now just imagine, you're like, at the, the, the judge is like, okay, we've reached a verdict. And then like the doors open, like boom. And he's like, not so fast. I object. <laughs> I am Martin Gare. It's like uh, the scene from Shrek oh. at the wedding. Yes, it's the scene from Shrek at the wedding. <laughs> you just have Shrek throwing the window, the doors open. It's like, I object. And then it's like, I'm Martin Gare. Check out my fake leg. Yeah, and he had a fake ass leg. So that soldier was telling the truth. Oh, snap. So it is kind of funny, though, because at first, Martin Gare, real Martin, knew less than Arnaud de Toll about Martin Gare's life. Damn. So it was like, they were sketchy because they were like, how... How, How do, do you, you know, know less, less about, about your, your own, own life, life than this one? Mm-hmm. And Bertrand now is like sweating. She's like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like, I'm about to get caught. Um, now, Arnard de Toll's brother actually testified against him, which was super illegal. So he fled before he get thrown in court for it. Damn. Um, but at that testimony, they're like, oh, shit. Okay, this really isn't Martin. I'm so sorry. Now, fake Martin de Toll was sentenced to death. <laughs> expected that to happen uh, yeah i mean they were really close um bertrand herself was found to be not guilty hey. because 
They thought that women were weak and easily influenced or something. Mm. But they sentenced her not to be burned so that, quote, the memory of so miserable and abominable a person would disappear completely and be lost. Damn. Damn is right. And, like, they had a daughter together, Bertrand and Arnaud. Oh, damn. So this daughter was going to have to watch her dad be killed and burned alive. Oh, damn. And, like, she grew up thinking her daddy was Martin Gare. Like they, your dad they, was alive the entire time, and now new dad shows up with a wooden leg. Like, what's up? I'm actually your dad, but I'm not I'm your dad. I'm not your dad. Uh, so the court actually ruled that because Bertrand thought she was fucking Martin Gare, their child could legitimately could be considered Martin Gare's child. Like, what? it wasn't a bastard. It was legitimate. Because the wife truly thought, which she didn't, obviously, but truly thought that she was having sex with her husband. What? I don't know. I don't know. Thanks. Thanks, church. So uh, four days later, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a doozy. So four days later, Martin went to church. He confessed his sins. He had two people there to testify that he was actually Martin Gare. And then he went back to his normal life. He even made... <laughs> <laughs> back to his normal life. It's like, yeah, no, it's fine. I, I've just been missing for a long time. I'm not actually, like, here normally. I'm missing a leg. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah, but he went back to uh, his normal life. Uh, he even made Bertrand's bastard child his heir. I don't know what happened to their first child, though. That wasn't like... <laughs> but yeah, the bastard child was the heir. And all but Bertrand and her daughter, who watched her daddy get burned alive, lived happily ever after. And the rest is history. Also, I'm going to add this here. Some people thought that Martin Gare was actually gay because mm. he took eight years to like have sex with his wife the first time mm -hmm. and they think that like when he left and came back that's why he was like damn i'm not i'm really not gonna try to fuck this girl again like i'm just gonna make this child my heir like done dunsey fuck it i'm out i don't care so there was some people who thought that martin was actually gay but that's history that's that is our first case of mistaken stolen identity and uh he almost got away with it almost almost it literally was a shrek like finish mm -hmm. now imagine if they had already like um found that he was martin gare and then martin gare came in what would they do <laughs> like what would they burn fucking him. do burn, burn him at the stake <laughs> arnaud's the real one you don't know enough about your life <laughs> it's just so crazy so yeah if you like this episode but you were like wow i actually really wanted you guys to talk about this topic you can actually dm us on fast past what on twitter at fast past one yeah, yeah. any requests you have for future episodes uh you could also Email us at fastpasspodcast at gmail.com for episode requests. Or if you want the source that I used in this case, I mentioned it before, but I could give it to you in like MLA or Chicago format. Yeah, yeah. Email us for that and you can cite us in academic papers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys for uh, tagging along and uh, bye bye. bye, -bye.